Hi there, this is Daniel Eccles, and you're listening to the Learn Opportunity Podcast. We're here to help you get unstuck and start creating your future. I had a client for my career consulting business that felt stuck. He was feeling like he didn't have much opportunity to start creating his future. What he said to me was that he fell into the job that he was in. And I challenged that thought and I said, you didn't fall into where you are. You did repeatable actions that you can apply to a new goal that will help you create your future and create opportunities. You didn't just end up where you are. You did things that helped you to get where you are right now. And so that is what this podcast is about. Join us as we listen to subject matter experts share how they have created opportunities in their own personal and professional lives, how they've gotten unstuck and started creating their own future. These podcast episodes focus on giving you resources and tools so that you can apply best practices, repeatable actions to your own life goals so that you can start learning how to create opportunity in your personal and professional life. So join us. We're ready. Let's get started and start applying opportunity, creating best practices to our lives. Thanks for listening to the Learned Opportunity Podcast. Hey there, Learned Opportunity listeners. Today's episode is with Josh Roach. He is the co-founder and CEO at a company called Quip2. Now Quip2, if you think about it, it's like Airbnb for outdoor equipment. So it's a place where you can try on some outdoor activities, see if you like them before actually investing in the equipment. So if you've ever been like, maybe I would be into kayaking, but I don't want to pay for a kayak or anything like that, you can go on to quip2.com and actually rent a kayak or camping equipment, hiking gear, other things and give it a try before purchasing those sort of equipment for yourself. And once you do purchase that equipment for yourself, you can go on there and list your items for when you're not using them and make 50 bucks over the weekend renting out your kayak. So that's a little bit about what Quip2 does. But Josh, he's been building that out and it came from him just speaking out his ideas. And we all have a lot of ideas. We dream of some opportunities and think, what if we created this business? What if I pursued this degree? And Josh, he took those ideas and put them into action. The difference was he has never been afraid to speak his ideas out loud to people who he trusts. He goes on long drives and will call a friend and just say, here, I'm dreaming about this. I'm dreaming about this. Disney actually does something very similar. And when they are thinking of the long-term future and just wanting to throw out ideas, they will use a term called blue skies. And blue skies is when they are saying, this is what we'd like to do, but we're just getting this idea out there and we'll see if it is an option for us, if we actually have the resources to follow this dream 
eventually down the road, but it's valuable to get that out there. So that's a bit about what Josh will be talking to us about. There's the repeatable actions of speaking out your ideas, making sure that you have the resources that you need in order to follow that blue skies dream that you spoke out in front of other people. He also talks a bit about how he has to figure out how to wear all the hats because he is at a tech startup. And so you have to do all the marketing and branding. Everyone is in marketing and branding at their company. It doesn't matter if that is your title or not. Another thing that really stood out to me was the idea of loving the process instead of the result and how you can find more opportunities just from that mindset switch of loving the process instead of the results. And then also speaking with your 75-year-old self, if you were talking to your 75-year-old self, what would you say? What opportunities would you be upset you did not pursue? What things would you say don't line up with your values? So as you can tell, I'm really excited for you to listen to this. So let's get going. And here is my conversation with Josh Roach. Hi there. You're listening to Learned Opportunity Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Eccles. We're here to help you get unstuck and start creating your future. Today, we have Josh Roach. He's a co-founder and CEO at Quipdo. But Josh, tell us a little bit more. What's actually important for listeners to know about you? Yeah, a little bit about me, you know, so, so Quip2, so it's my first venture into the startup world, into tech startup. I'm learning a ton as I go. I'm surrounded by an awesome team. I'm loving the, the learning aspect of what I'm doing. Uh, it's exceptionally challenging at times, but it's also very rewarding at the same time. If, if there are like specific details about like maybe my background, you know, how I got to here, I can get into that as well. But I think the important things right now for listeners to, to know, you know, where I'm at, where's my headspace, where's our, where's our team at? We're, we're in this building phase. We're excited. We're learning and we're, we're pulling a bunch of different lovers and kind of seeing what sticks. Yeah, that's great. So I guess tell a little bit about how you got to where you are. Absolutely. Um, has business or wanting to do your own startup or other things, has that always been a goal of yours or yeah. is this an, a newer development? That's a good question. I mean, to, to kind of go way back, I, I thought I was going to go into law for like the longest time since I was like eight. I, I used to argue with people a lot when I was a kid. It was pretty annoying. I'm sure my family members would attest undoubtedly. And then kind of throughout high school, I, I kind of still thought that was my trajectory. And and really until I hit college, it wasn't until I kind of settled on the business side of things and maybe looking into a different avenue. I went to Indiana University to Kelly School of Business, had a fantastic education there did finance and accounting as my undergrad, minored in English just to give myself a little bit of diversity. I primarily went into those fields though, just as somebody who didn't have a ton of financial stability growing up. Mm. And for me, there was a huge impetus to, okay, you're taking out student loans. Let's make sure you can pay them back. Let's make sure that you can support your family. Let's make sure that you can check some boxes really. And I was going to these career fairs and it felt like every, you know, two out of three people I was talking to was like, oh, do you have a 
you have an accounting background? Do you have an accounting background? And I was finance and supply chain. And I got a little nervous. I was like, whoa, maybe I really need an accounting background. So I dropped the supply chain. I do finance and accounting. Um, and again, I mean, overall enjoyed my classes, enjoyed my, my curriculum, enjoyed how challenging it was. It's a, it is, it is quite challenging. And it really, really set me up well for my first career doing financial consulting with Crow Horwith up in Chicago. I was a bank auditor. And so I primarily audited banks and financial credit unions and enjoyed that, enjoyed working with clients. That was my favorite part for sure was engaging with clients. Some of the monotonous rote work of going over financial statements is not as fun, but building relationships with clients, I realized, wow, I do. I really enjoy that. So I did that for two years after undergrad, after my time at IU. And then came right back down to IU, actually. A couple of my teammates from college had stuck around into Bloomington. And Cook Medical is one of the largest employers down there. They're a private medical device manufacturer. And they offered me a, a great position where I got to learn a lot about manufacturing, which I was really interested in at the time. You know, what does it actually look like to, instead of being in like financial services, actually be in manufacturing and kind of do some of the accounting and finance behind like a, a production schedule or creating a macro budget for a, a company that is a multi-billion dollar company that's never had a budget before. You know, I had, I had some opportunities there that were, that were really interesting, but quick, pretty quickly learned that, yeah, I, I, I was just so interested in entrepreneurial endeavors. I had some friends that were interested in entrepreneurial endeavors and they went into them. And even though they were like really challenging and hard, it just, that, that passion really never went away. And I kind of hit this crossroads with my employer where, you know, my first employer, it was really easy to see what the corporate ladder looked like, you know, okay, I'm a staff one, I'm a staff two, I'm a junior manager, I'm a senior manager, you know, it's pretty laid out for you. And uh, my, my second job was not that way at all. Super horizontal structure. They were honest with me when I got hired in, Hey, you're, you're probably not going to like move titles very much. We'll try to get you in different roles and experiencing different things. And after about four years, I, I was pretty adamant that, hey, I want to move up in my career. I want to continue to progress. Cook's such a great company, great a family company. They do a lot of things really, really well. But for me, I didn't feel like I knew what five to 10 years looked like, what they wanted out of me in that time frame, and if it was going to match up with what my career goals were. So I hit a crossroads of, do I go back and get my MBA? Mm. Do I go to law school, do I, you know, some of these, some of these paths that I kind of shut off as I had entered the workforce became apparent. And then I had the idea for Quip2 and I, I let it run. Yeah. I really, if you just look at it from, you know, back in college, wanting to make sure that you have less risk financially yes. and getting into a career that is steady and everything to let's, start a, an Airbnb-esque <laughs> outdoor equipment rental company. That, that's risky and that's hard. Pretty divergent. Yeah. How does your mindset go from that survival to like, no, this is something worth taking my time, my effort to do? Yeah. Great question. Multifaceted answer. I think one of the big things was that, you know, worked really hard those six years and saved and kind of put myself in a financial position where it doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, if this goes horribly wrong, like I'm out on the streets. That, that was a really big thing for me, for sure. And then honestly, secondly, the fact that, you know, my partner has a fantastic job and she is able to, you know, kind of lift us up a little bit right now while I'm doing the whole startup 
like, hey, live, live off the ramen thing. I, I'm fine with living off the ramen thing, but when you have a <laughs> support, it's a little different. So my wife's a PA. She studied and she worked so hard the past six years to get that degree. And so I was able to pick up a, maybe a little bit more of the financial burden when she was in school. And now she's able to pick up more of the financial burden as I, you know, partake in, in a startup. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it's not really an opportunity if you don't have the resources and the tools to be able to, to do it. Uh, Totally it's not an option. A lot of times we'll want to get an opportunity and we'll pursue that that dream or the goal that's based off of our values. If we don't have the options or the resources to do those things that we value yet, then it's really not an opportunity. It, it might can maybe be a mistake or or cost yeah. a lot. Yeah. If yeah. You do it too I, early. I don't disagree with that at all. I think that that's that's a huge aspect of it. I think a secondary thing is timing is is huge, right? So like I'm at a stage in life right now where I can take a shot. I can take a big shot. You know, you know, at some point my wife and I would love to have a family, but we don't yet. So, you know, there there's just a couple risks for me where it definitely feels like, hey, if I'm if I'm really going to give myself a chance, you know, did I find something that I think is scalable and that I'm passionate about? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do I think that the risk payoff is there? Absolutely. Right. So I'm going to dive in and I'm going to dive in aggressively and I'm going to put everything that I have into it. And uh, we're really going to just test the waters as, as deep as we can. Yeah. A lot of our listeners, a lot of my listeners, I always say our <laughs> listeners yeah, for, this hour. for this hour. Sure. So you're your early 20s all the way up to about 32 are wanting to find something that are, they're more passionate about or really seek after these things that they, they value. What are some steps, though, to help them get set up with resources, tools, options to make it so that those values they can actually start pursuing? Yeah, that's a good question. Pretty multi-layered there. I think one of the big resources for me when I'm in Bloomington anyway, I, so I just moved up to Indy. But I was in Bloomington for nine out of the last 11 years. And there is a tremendous co-working space down there. If you're familiar with it, it's called the Dimension Mill. Mm. Um, they are a wonderful resource to young entrepreneurs. Any entrepreneur really doesn't have to be young, particularly involved in tech. I was working out of there during the pandemic a little bit just to get out of my house. They did a great job of spacing people out, but still allowing people to come in. So for me, one of my best friends was working on a tech startup at the time. I was seeing how much fun he was having with it, how many people were, were becoming resources to him through this startup space. So I was participating as well, just going. I was pitching companies that didn't exist just to like practice pitching. You know, it was it was a it was kind of a unbelievable experience just to understand like how vibrant the startup community can be, especially when you're when they see that you're willing to like really put in the effort. Yeah. The, I think is willing to plug into you pretty aggressively. So yeah, I think, I think that's a big thing that I would evangelize is find a co-working space where people are congregated and, you know, you have people who've successfully been in tech or been in a startup who are willing to plug back into that next generation and lean into those people. Yeah. I love that. I, I think that some of the ways that I found opportunities was I, I was in a co-working space over the last year, two years, and now I'm, I'm in a new role and that relationship was founded because somebody from a co-working space introduced yeah. me to another person and there's just yeah. opportunities in that sort of thing. And everybody is there working together and excited about the things that they're doing. And you can't help but get excited about the things that other Absolutely. people in their co-working space are doing as well. well. That's a great example of your ability to reflect on something that you just did that is a repeatable action that you could choose to do again and apply to another Absolutely. goal for an opportunity. Are there other 
repeatable options, formational practices that you have done over the last few years or two of transition to pursue this opportunity at Equip2 that you think would be helpful for other people to consider practicing themselves? You know, I, I'll talk anecdotally. For me, entrepreneurial endeavors are something that, again, have been an interest of mine for well over a decade. And I think one of the repeatable things that I have been doing was just testing the waters with different ideas. Mm. My friends know that like when I kind of get something on my mind, I'll pester them with like, well, what if, what if I did this? Or what if, what if there's a company that did X or Y? I'm a big, <laughs> when I'm taking a drive or anything that's longer than half an hour or an hour, one of the ways that I keep myself awake is I'll call friends. Mm-hmm. A lot of people listen to podcasts, music. I, I like those things. But after a while, you know, I, I need to call people. My wife and I did long distance for a while where she was in St. Louis and I was in Bloomington. And so I had three and a half hours in the car, like at least once a week, it seemed like. So I was calling my friends constantly, friends and family. And for me, the repeatable action was being able to go out on the limb with like a harebrained idea, just kind of almost like a half. I, I would never be afraid to too early just call somebody. Like mm. the idea would pop into my head and I would immediately pick up the phone and call my dad or call one of my best friends and be like, hey, I was just thinking about this. I haven't fleshed it out all the way, but just listen to me for a second. And I'd talk it through and I'd talk it through and I'd talk it through. And, you know, more times than not, I realized, oh, that company does exist. It's, it's, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, it's Expedia, it's Glassdoor, it's, you know, oh, that's just microfinancing, right? Like <laughs> it, time it was that where I'm just, I talked myself into realizing like, oh yeah, that's why they're a successful company. And then every once in a while, right, you do, you kind of get stuck on something where you're like, ah, yeah, I like the mechanics of this. And you're just talking back and forth. You're right. Like, you know, i always challenge my friends and I intentionally go after friends that like, aren't just going to be yes people that aren't just going to be like, Hey, it's great. Pursue it. You know, who are going to be like, okay, well, you know, have you really thought about the risk factor of people defaulting of, you know, Hey, what if you can't line up the vendors? What if you can't, you know, so just have these conversations. I would say for me, that was the repeatable. Like I did that constantly. And my co-founder and I, Johnny is my, my brother-in-law actually. So when I started dating Sophie, John and I would just bounce these ideas off each other all the time. And eventually it did lead us to Quip2, which is awesome. But it started because we already had this rapport with one another where mm. he knew that he could call me and just be like, Hey, I've been noodling on this. What do you think? And I can call him and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm wrestling with why. And then it culminated with the three members of Quip2 right now together the night before I got married, sipping a little bit of gin. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey guys, I've been mulling over this idea. What do you think? Airbnb for outdoor gear. I have a thousand dollars of camping gear. I'd love to make 50 bucks this weekend. And just watching their eyes light up and being like, oh yeah, for sure. Like, why doesn't that exist? You know? And then from there we were running. Yeah. A little bit of gin probably helped too. (laughs) Do you, do you keep track of your ideas, write them down or is it just, Oh um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I have a note within my phone. Yeah. That's great. I think that's really helpful is keeping track of those things uh, as well. And you you might use it in the future or or you you might not. John Acuff is a writer speaker. He said, there's no such thing as a writer's block. It's just a lack of ideas. So he tries to write down 1600 ideas a year that he has in an idea wow. journal. Okay. And then he can keep keep going and keep writing more books and, and, and have more things. And so Amazing. I love that, that idea as well. Um, well, what else, what else, Josh, have you been learning in your experience of starting Quip2? 
Man, what a great question. I think my co-founder and our employee, Kirby, would, <laughs> we could talk about this for a very, very long time, but some of the key items for me that, that come to mind are, especially with a startup, like a really baby startup, like we're less than a year, right? We've been around for just over 10 months from ideation. I think we've been incorporated wow. for like six. You know, our site's been live for 10 weeks. Wear all of the hats because if you don't wear them, nobody else will. Mm -hmm. I had this pretty incredible experience two years, no, I guess it's longer now, three years ago when I moved to Bloomington, I decided I wanted to buy a house. I thought that Bloomington was gonna be the place for me for a while. And so I bought a house that was built in 1920 and I hired a contractor and we tore it to the ground. I, I started rebuilding it, really. I just, I came up with a floor plan. I was like, hey, this, this looks great. I'm excited by it. And it was close to IU's campus. It was close to some of my best friends that lived down there. I, I thought it was gonna be this, this uh, wonderful thing for me and my, my future family. And about a third of the way, maybe 40% of the way through the process, right after framing and roofing, my contractor went out of business actually he had underbid our contract and we didn't have the funds to be able to like continue on and my house sat vacant for like a month nobody was working on it nobody's doing anything on it and i realized one day i was like well nobody's going to work on this if if i don't and so i just started doing a lot of youtube tutorials and i i taught myself how to do some electrical and some plumbing and oh, wow. with oversight, of course, <laughs> but right. Like there's a lot of things that you can do to a house that are just a lot of labor intensive work. Once you have the materials like insulation, like drywall, like interior framing, like there, there are a lot of things that if you figure out how to get the right tools and you ask the right people and you lean on others for support and for help, you can get a lot of things done. And so I wore a lot of hats for the next year there where I just my family would come down on weekends and we would literally build a house, siding on the side of your house. I mean, just everything that you can do, the deck on the back. We really did. We, we, uh, we built a house. So that experience taught me very quickly, hey, figure, figure it out, figure out how to do it. Like <laughs> yeah. Nobody's, nobody's going to come in here and rescue me from this mortgage. I can default on it. Like that could be an option. I could declare bankruptcy and, you know, that could be an option. Those aren't great options. What's a good option? Let's, let's try to lean on some others for support and some help. And again, my family's incredible. I can't believe that they did that for the better part of, you know, six months coming down on weekends and just picking up a hammer and, hey, this, this is what we're going to do. And we made a lot of mistakes along the way. But at the end of the day, we have an awesome, awesome property down in Bloomington that is a great gathering space for all of us. So I take that into what I did with Quip2. And it's just like, hey, yeah, there's a lot of things with the startup that I don't know how to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to rely on other people here that know more than I do. I'm not going to be afraid to ask if I think something might take me a week to figure out versus I can just reach out to somebody that has been there, done that, have an hour long conversation. I'm going to do that every time and hopefully again, be able to pay that forward in the future. So yeah, that, I, I think first and foremost, wear, wear all the hats and then, you know, find a good team that you can share those hats with. That's a great lesson from a house situation, from something from personal life that transcends into your professional life. I love that. I mean, people are so willing to help and there's so many resources out there, but a lot of times we can get entered to our own heads and have unhelpful thoughts, limiting beliefs, if you will, right. that would prevent us from asking the questions and taking the next steps. Have there been any limiting beliefs or, or things about your mindset when it comes to opportunity that you've had to get over or yes. figure out? 
Oh yeah, for sure. And again, this is where surrounding yourself, having a wonderful team. My co-founder, John Laughlin is an incredible connector on LinkedIn and, and really just overall building relationships. He's our director of partnerships for a reason. So for me, I would get very uncomfortable at the idea of like, we've already had multiple conversations, hour long plus conversations, coffees with a couple founders from the state of Indiana that have exited hundred million dollar plus companies. Mm. The fact that we could even like sit down and have those coffees was just my, my co-founder, you know, finding a, a connection on LinkedIn where it's like, oh, we both know this person, maybe a soft intro could come. We're going to sit down have that conversation and just see if they're interested in, you know, hearing about what we're doing and maybe giving some advice. The fact that we've been able to do that time and time and time again with successful exited founders for, for me is such a huge lesson that there are people out there that want to give back, that want to be a resource. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that we can actually find those people just because we asked, because we're not afraid to go do the homework and the research, and we're not just going to cold email them, but we'll go in and try to find that connection or even sometimes do the cold email and just see what sticks. Yeah. I think, I think not being afraid of that failure of just like, Hey, it could be awkward if they say like, who are you? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Fine. Okay. You know that you're going to have those, but I think more often than not, you're going to find people willing to plug back into you, especially when they see your tenacity. John and I had an hour long, I mean, it was supposed to be 45 minutes. It ended up being over an hour and a half yesterday with a successful exited, you know, tech entrepreneur from Indiana, who's just was like reading over some of our notes, what we're planning on doing with some of our new go-to-market strategy and was willing to absolutely just sit down and work on our SEO with us for a half an hour straight, mm. you know, just, just do that and not like wow. high level, but like, Hey, these are the keywords that you're using. Okay. Let's dive in. Let's find out if this is smart. I mean, it was just, it was an incredible experience. And he was willing to do that because he understood that like we had done so much upfront work already and that we're not just talking about <laughs> certain things that we are living this, you know, this is our job and our hobby all in one. So when you, when you show that passion to people, when they get a glimpse of the fire that is really going to drive the company forward, they get pretty excited too. And that, that's been really helpful. Would you say that you're an extrovert? Sometimes. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, you know, the way introvert, extrovert, the way I think about it, like I do fine in like a group setting. Absolutely. I draw energy from that. I'm probably like a three and a half to four hour max. If I'm, if I'm like, like a lot of my friends enjoy like going out on boats for like an entire day down in Lake Monroe, down in, in Bloomington. It's incredible. It's awesome. I struggle to be out there for more than like three and a half, four hours. I, I just, I do, I need to kind of go pull back a little bit mm. and they like to be out there for like eight to 10 hours. And I'm always like, Oh, it's so awkward for me to just ask for you to take me back to my car right in the middle of this. So yeah. Yeah. I, I asked just because I mean, it's a spectrum really. I mean, yeah. we have people that are less extroverted than you, more introverted than you, but really asking for help. It doesn't require you to be someone that is out there all the time being an extrovert. And a lot of times some people might not respond very well to somebody that is just totally out there extroverted and asking yeah, for connection sure. and stuff. So anybody, anybody can do it. It's just a lot of times getting over that mindset of, okay, I feel like an imposter. Who am I to talk yep. to this yep. CEO that exited for a hundred million dollars and yep. <laughs> sold off this business or, yeah. or whatnot? Like what place do I have to be there? But I mean, you, you have a place as long as you are wanting to be there too. And that's what they want to see is somebody that has that tenacity, like you said. So 
Yeah. What else, Josh? You're on a roll here. You've got a lot of <laughs> lessons that you're learning and a lot of stuff. I mean, I've hit you at a, a good time here in, within the first year where I'm sure that there's a lot of mistakes that have been made and oh, sure. um, and wins that come from that as well. But Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, wear a lot of the hats. I think the second one, rely on your teammates and advisors. You know, one of the big things for us, you know, I, I had a co-founder really early on and that has been imperative. For the growth of our company. It's somebody that I could rely on when we were both working full time, when I had really busy kind of accounting type work to do, I could just say, Hey, John, I'm not going to have a, a big clip two week. You're going to have to carry us and, and vice versa. Right. He just became a father six weeks ago. And so there've been some times where like, Hey, you need to go step away. Let me, let me take over a little bit. Just that that's been huge. You know, our head of brand and, and marketing Kirby is somebody where we're just like, Hey, we, we don't know how to do this, man. You're going to be really good at it. Let's take the cuffs off and you know, let you flourish there. So yes, wear all the hats, but know when, you know, you find somebody that you can, you know, shed one of those hats to. And then really, yeah, some advisors, again, I'll, I'll talk about that till I'm blue in the face, just some people mm -hmm. that you can rely on, uh, who, you know, have been there and it doesn't have to be somebody that you're always going to do everything that they say. I would avoid people that are turned off at the idea that like, Hey, they're going to give you advice and you might not always do exactly what that advice called for. One of the best things that I think our entire advisory team does, and we, we have five of them at this point, they always say, Hey, this is what we would do, but you're running the company. And that's, that's such a, such a great thing, I think for, for John and I, because at the end of the day, right, it is, it is going to come down to how we want to enact our vision for how we see quick to growing. But again, lean into those people that have been there that have a little bit more experience in an area that you don't, right? We're running an online business. So one of our advisors exited a tech platform, but it was for cybersecurity. So we kind of hit a double whammy there, right? Mm. Um, one of our advisors is she runs a digital ad agency but she works with startups and she was a warranty specialist for 18 years, right? Like that's huge for us because like we're, we're navigating what happens if people's ear gets damaged. Yeah. This is what we've structured. This is because we've had great conversations with an advisor who is a warranty specialist for 18 years. She also happens to be, you know, a CMO type person that we can go over macro strategy with. That's mm. fantastic. Right. So you wow, know, what, a, what a like full package there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. And one of our advisors is a, a senior engineer of a platform that's peer to peer for RVs outdoorsy. And so he has literally built code for a company that's doing something similar, just in a different sphere. Being able to say, hey, this is our tech stack. This is what we're working through. This is our, our user flow. And him be able to say, hey, you're going to have issues right here. People are going to be afraid to give you information there. Somebody to look over your shoulder and do that unbelievably helpful. So yeah, relying on teammates, relying on advisors, a huge, huge aspect. Whenever I hear about solo entrepreneurs, I'm baffled and yeah. in awe. Yeah. I am. It's, it's fascinating to me that people can do that. Kudos to them. But one of the things that I think has enabled us to move as quickly as we did from ideation to MVP in the market and I think we went like eight months in a week, you know, was the fact that we did align some of these advisors. We built a team pretty quickly and yeah, we, we were all pretty bought in. So that's, that's probably like one of the big second pieces of like learning. And then, yeah, I, I guess third is everybody's in marketing and branding at this point. We're all marketers. We're all in branding, you know, especially at a small team. <laughs> oh yeah. hundred percent. Everybody's in branding. Everybody's in marketing. Everybody's trying to figure out how to quote unquote, fill the funnel, the customer acquisition funnel. Oh. And so you know, I'm, I'm trying to become like a, an SEO mini expert at mm. that, at the 
moment because that that's a huge area for us, right? We have to be prevalent on Google. We have to be prevalent on search engines for people to know that we exist, right? We're building something pretty new. Like this isn't something that's common for people to know that they can rent camping gear for a weekend. So we have to be really good at the search part. If I could go back to college and pick up a few extra classes, they would all be in like copywriting, marketing, those sort of areas. I was a counselor, a mental health counselor for a couple of years there. I was taught how to be a counselor, but I was not taught how to run a counseling business. And so I had to learn copywriting, I had to learn marketing, I had to learn all those other sort of things. So I, I think that if you can learn those skills on top of whatever else you're you're passionate about, it, it's definitely helpful. So I think that, Josh, what struck me is that your advisors, your team, they're going to help alleviate some of the weaknesses that you have and Absolutely. also the, the areas that you're going to trip up. What are some of those areas that you see like, okay, this is not my strong suit. This could potentially trip me up in this progress and leading up to this opportunity that I have and, and what are you doing to, to alleviate those, those issues? That's a really good question. Understanding the framework for how startups within the tech sphere work is new and foreign to everybody on our team. And again, we're trying to surround ourselves with people who've been there, done that people who've invested on in us that have exited or again, advisors who've exited And there's only so much that they can like tell you about the process before it's just, hey, you're in that process, right? As a CEO, again, I just did not realize that 60% of my time early on is going to be fundraising. Mm. That would not have fallen into like something my pre-research would have led me to believe, but it's absolutely true, right? I have a team of three people. We're building a brand. Marketing expense is large and it has to be right now. People don't know that we exist. We do need to go out and and give ourselves a pretty decent runway. And we've been successful. We've hundreds of thousands of dollars and and we still have like a little ways to go to, to kind of hit the goal. But that's an area where knowing how to do that successfully as a first time founder is very challenging. Yeah. And it's, it's tripped us up a couple of times where again, a lot of the feedback that we get from potential angels or VCs that we talk to are well, who is your team? Okay. You have three people who've never started a tech company before. That's not really of interest to us. We like your idea. We think that you guys are tenacious, yada, yada, but like the team's not what we need. And again, trying to bolster that with the advisors is something that we can do, but again, it's not going to work for everybody. I can evangelize QuickTube all day and talk about why I think that it's going to revolutionize the way that people experience the great outdoors and have access to the great outdoors. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, being able to make sure that you have enough funding to make that dream happen or give yourself enough runway to, to leverage that is, is something that's, it's tricky. It's tricky. If I get in a room and I can pitch, I'm confident getting my foot in the door a little bit harder, Mm. a little bit harder. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Transitioning just back to this whole subject matter, a lot of listeners yeah. right now might feel stuck where they currently are and like they yeah. aren't able to actually create their future or have ownership of that possibility of creating more opportunities. Do you have a, an example of a time that you felt stuck either personally or professionally because opportunity is not just a, a business thing, it's relationships, it's hobbies, it's a whole bunch of different areas. When have you felt stuck and what did you do about it? That's a, yeah, that's a good question. I guess first I'll go personal and then I'll, I'll transition into professional. 
I got to a point, I was a distance runner in college, in high school and college. So I, uh, I ran the 800 in the mile in high school. And then I, I ran for Indiana University. And it was a great experience. And very early on in my college career, I got pretty good. I started actually doing like pretty serious mileage. In high school, I was probably running 30 to 40 miles a week in college you know, you start bumping up against 90 miles a week. And so like the body transitions a lot. And, you know, I, I had a lot of success pretty early on in my, my college career. And then, and then some stagnation happened and some injuries happened and it definitely felt like, okay, my body's used to running this kind of mileage. I'm not going to see these large leaps and bounds that might happen for some of my teammates potentially, and just other competitors that I was running against. And it was frustrating. It yeah. was hard feel like I was putting in that much time and effort and a lot of sacrifice really to be competing at that level and to (laughs) just be like, wow, like when are the times going to hit? When am I going to start feeling good again? And I I went through that for probably a good year and a half before I started taking it a little bit less seriously. I had, I lost a bit of the joy from running and it wasn't until halfway through my fourth year of college. And I did five years of undergrad that for most colleges, they'll redshirt you your freshman year because you're a better runner at 22 and 23 than you are at 18. So four and a half years and, or three and a half years into my college experience, it was almost like a weight came off my shoulder. It was like, okay, buddy, you're not going to go professional in this. You're going to have an awesome, awesome experience if you can like relax and take the workouts as they come to just put your nose into everything that you can um, Mm. and and fight where you can at the end of workouts, the end of races. That was a big turning point for me. That was arguably one of my more successful seasons, just consistency of just being able to have fun with the competition again, let some anxiety of race anxiety diminish. So yeah, I think that was a big one for me where I was just totally stagnant for like a year and a half where it's just like, I'm not getting any faster. I'm doing better workouts. I'm training harder. I'm getting better prep. And it's just I don't know. The expectation was too high. The expectation was way too high because mm-hmm. I had such good success these first two years when you're not supposed to be that good. And, and then, yeah, it, it wasn't until it was like, Hey, okay, relieve yourself of the expectation, right? You're not going to go break the rest of the school records. You're not going to go X. You're not going to go Y just plug in, enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think I fell in love with the idea of like, love the process, not the result. And it's something that I've carried with me absolutely to this day. I think that that worked for me. Enjoy the process, not the result. Yeah. Uh, love when the result does turn out awesome. But yeah, for me, my college experience, I, I so much more am in love with, you know, the process of getting really fit and, and doing the runs with the guys and learning from them and learning from teammates and, and just the time spent playing cards on buses and all of that versus actually standing on a starting line. I can barely remember any of my races from college, right? Sure. I, I might've run those times the black and white on the paper says, that I did, but you know, that's just a result Mm -hmm. of that process. So um, I love that. That's a great reframe and you used gratefulness and contentment. You didn't really change a lot of your circumstances, but it it did present a new opportunity because you changed the way that you were thinking about it and you got more out of it and that got you unstuck. Whereas not a whole lot of stuff on paper might've changed, right? But yeah. the results were very different for very. your life and, and your opportunity and actually feeling more in control and creating your future. So I, I think that's a great example and a, a, a cool testament to your ability to, to reframe and to battle your own thoughts there. So that's really cool. Yeah. No, no, appreciate that. Yeah. Professionally. So first and foremost, I guess when I was consulting in Chicago, I really did I liked that job. I, I liked, you know, Crow Horth was a great first opportunity for me. Our team had like really dwindled from 
right before I got there, I think it was about 50 people to like 27. So we were all working a lot. I loved the clients I was working with. I was traveling a lot. But for me, I would walk around Chicago. I'd rock, walk around my neighborhood Lakeview and, and look around at these homes. And I kind of got sucked into this idea of like, well, of course I want to, you know, live here someday. I guess I got to keep working 70 hours a week and I'll make partner eventually. And then I can live in one of these homes. And that thought struck me one day and I was like, what? And it just was a total, like, I can't believe I just had that thought. And it was, it really, it shook me a bit. And, you know, within a month after that, a cook medical reached out about this opportunity back in Bloomington. And it was fantastic to be able to be like, yeah, I probably need to get out of this city because I'm, I'm starting to fall prey to, I think mm. a lot of the things that, you know, can sap a lot of energy and joy from mm. the life that I'm trying to lead. And so, yeah, moving back to Bloomington was an amazing change of pace, 35 to 40 hours a week, like a cost of living is a lot lower. So you don't need as much. And just the opportunity to be outside a lot more, be near some of my best friends. My family lived in India at the time. So it's just such an easy transition for me. But yeah, maybe that's an area where I definitely felt like I was starting to understand the hamster wheel and really actually get on it. Mm. And it was whoa, 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 whoa. So maybe not stuck on the hamster wheel, but like just test the waters with it and be like, okay, that's a little scary. Yeah. And well, the off. more that you got on it, the harder it would have been to have gotten exactly. off. Mm-hmm. Oh, I couldn't agree more with that. Could not agree more with that. So yeah, just getting that opportunity with Cook and and really, I guess with Cook, it was just, you know, understanding like, hey, this is a, a pretty, uh, honestly, a pretty low stress job. It's something that like a few days a month are going to be pretty stressful. And then after that, really, it's, it's, it is relatively low stress, but just feeling like I wasn't moving up in my career, not to say that like the, the titles are what is going to, you know, drive me to success or, or that's going to be like the huge motivating factor, but wanting different responsibilities, I really do enjoy managing people. And I realized that when I was working at, at Crow, you know, as I moved into staff two, being able to manage staff one, being able to manage larger projects, I loved it. I really, really enjoyed that. And so just understanding that where I currently was, I wasn't going to get that opportunity. So yeah, again, start your own company, try to hire some people and and then you'll, you'll end up managing anyway, but something like that. Not really. I, what I think worked really well in that was you took uh, some time there to audit your life and to challenge your thought process once again, as far as like, oh, why do I feel like I need to be in this neighborhood with this house and I need to do it this way? What yeah. do I actually value and care about? And so just having some space set aside, we all need it to audit our thoughts, to audit and see like, does this match what I actually value and care about? Will this lead to the person that I want to become ultimately and if the answer is no then great then you know how to get unstuck and and a new goal to start reaching for and and developing into so yeah you talk about some of those i I love the fact that you asked like what are some of the repeatable things that we can do i'll share this it's a it's a quirky one it's it's a it's an idiosyncrasy of mine i try to have like conversations with like 75 year old josh maybe Mm. maybe a couple times a year you know where i'll just think to myself like at 75, am I going to regret not having done that? Or am I going to have like uh, second thoughts about X or Y? And more often than not, you know, I think that the older version of myself is telling me like, dude, go try, go figure it out, you know? And again, for me, that, that conversation in my head with, with an older version of myself um, with Chicago is just like, yeah, no, this, 
you're not going to find a ton of fulfillment in that, my guy. Like it's, mm. you're going to have the things and it's, it's just, you're not going to have the experiences and opportunities because you're going to work so much throughout your twenties and thirties and into your forties that, you know, by the time that you can sit back and relax, a lot of life has passed you. So yeah, that's, that's definitely a repeatable thing for me. And again, I know it's a, it's a little quirky. It's the a quirky little... things are the coolest things, like the yeah. things that stick in our minds and, and that are actually helpful. So I, I feel like a listener might, might take that and that is just worth it <laughs> to, yeah. to hear like, Oh, okay. I, I can do things this way, even if it is a little quirky, that is not a bad thing at all. Well, well, Josh, thank you so much for your, your time. But at first, I, I want to make sure how can listeners connect with you or with Quipto? Yeah. What are some steps that they could take to, to interact in your world? Oh, that's fantastic. I appreciate that. So yeah, Quip2.com. We're live in Indiana and Colorado. So those are the two marketplaces where you can either list your gear or you can you know, rent gear for your next adventure. If you don't feel like spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on something that is not like a complete hobby of yours and you just want to try it mm. or you need something to do on a Saturday, we, we highly recommend just, just give some, just give a piece of gear a shot and just find out if some of these outdoor activities are, are right for you. So yeah, I, I, the, the big thing, we, we do have a promo going on just because we want to learn from our users right now. We're in this exploratory phase you know, we'll give you 50% off just to go and explore and try something. We ask for a little bit of feedback and just tell us what the experience was like, what we can do better. So yeah, I would say, you know, the contact us at the top of our page goes straight to my cell phone. It goes straight to my email. So, you know, feel free to interact with us. Tell us what you think about the website. Tell us what, you know, if the idea is something that, you know, you're excited about or anything like that, we're, we're really excited to just be in this learning phase of like, okay, we know that the people who are transacting with us, the feedback that we are getting is, is pretty tremendous and we're providing value to them. And that's what really keeps our passion bucket pretty full. But, you know, how do we learn from the people that, you know, aren't transacting with us? How do we learn from the people that, yeah. again, don't know about us? Like, how do, how, do we, how do we get it to where people do know that we offer this service? So, again, anything that people would do to be able to reach out and let us know, like, what they think of the idea or, you know, our site and, and, you know, some of the things that we can tweak or, or even just a shout out to say like, Hey, it's a cool idea where we love to hear that kind of stuff. Oh, awesome. I'll, I'll throw some of those links into the show notes and everything. So that listener, you can go on there and check out the website, see what kind of equipment there is from what I understand. It's kayaks, maybe some camping equipment, things like that. The yeah. Other- biking. Those are biking. biking as well. Yep. Cool. Awesome. I'm sure there's a lot of other equipment that eventually will, will yeah. We'll, we'll come on and everything, yeah, especially yeah. as you get into some different areas of, of the country and, and uh, snowboard skiing, all that kind of stuff oh, yeah. in Colorado. Yeah, oh, cool. yeah. We got our sites set pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, thank I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Josh. And listeners, we appreciate you as well. Thanks for joining along on this ride as we help you get unstuck and start creating your future. 